Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Michael Rand of the Star Tribune. Hi, Mike. Hey, Andrew. How you doing? Doing well. Ben Gessling is going to join us here soon for the Friday edition of the Mailbag. Uh, we got a lot of questions. Thank you for submitting them. You can find a submission form at startribune.com or send them via email. Uh, or to our Twitter accounts, um, or X accounts, X. I guess it's yeah, called. It's, it's still Twitter. Elon can do what he wants. It's still Twitter. <laughs> um, all right. Let's start with this question from Jeff. Jeff wants to know, I would like your input on the signing of Marcus Davenport. I understand it is a long season, but he will have missed 20% of the season if he's out again this week. Um, this is the reason the Saints let him go. Now, Jeff's not wrong. No, uh, Marcus, Marcus Davenport struggled to, as to his own admission, finish plays um, in, in New Orleans and turn them into sacks and even finish games and seasons. He hasn't even started plays here. Um, no, he's played four snaps, um, which is not a whole lot for the Minnesota Vikings in that Philly game. And he was unable to practice um, at all leading up to this last game against the Chargers. And Mark, um, Kevin O'Connell, excuse me, did not sound optimistic when asked about Davenport earlier this week, um, but much more optimistic about Bradbury coming back against the Panthers. But Davenport's really was supposed to be that, that Zadarius Smith, that Everson Griffin, that second option to Daniil Hunter and give them some semblance of a difference-making pass rush, and you can just tell that they really lack that when he's not out there. That's been their biggest miss, I think, so far in the 2023 roster building. And it was a, you know, it was a, I don't know, questionable. Maybe it was questionable signing to begin with because they gave him it was about 12, 13 million cap hit. I don't know what the guarantee it was. Ten was. guarantee. Yeah, it was a lot of guarantee yeah. for someone who had that history and didn't have the production in 2022. Now I know he. He looks the part, right? He looks like a guy who should, you know, he's a first-round talent. He's, he looks like a guy who should be productive when he's out there, but he had half a sack last season with the Saints. And so you looked at it and you are like, well, they must see something in him, and maybe we're going to see more about it. But the fact that he hasn't been on the field and, you know, they're kind of back to Daniil Hunter and everybody else. And you're right. They, I mean, they had, last year they had Zadarius Smith. Zadarius Smith played through some knee stuff in the second half of the year, but he still had, you know, a lot of pressures. He had double digit sacks, I believe like that's, that's a lot to be missing this season. And that seems like the biggest missing component right now on the defense, because they've had to throw so many blitzes at everybody because they probably know they can't get any kind of rush consistently with four. Yeah. The first, the start of Zadarius Smith's year last year was phenomenal. I mean, he was talking and thinking about defensive player of the year, kind of candidacy with the first nine or 10 games before that knee injury popped up for him. Um, and they've just really missed it where teams now, when you watch the chargers, when you watch that game back, they were too easily able to just chip and double Daniel Hunter and slow him down just enough. And when they didn't is when you saw Daniel get the strip sack and affect the game the, the way that he has. And he's leading the NFL, I believe, with five sacks through through three weeks. The Vikings have the leading passer, receiver, and the leading um, They must be 3-0. And and right? They and must be 3-0. <laughs> and that computes to 0-3. Zero and three. Zero and three. Um, imagine, right imagine if they traded uh, Daniel Hunter, by the way. Yeah, if they didn't keep it. I mean, that would have at least been leaning more more all into the rebuild yes. when they keep talking about this competitive rebuild. Right. 
It's but now they live in the land of in between where it's clearly not good enough to win. No. And but think about their pass rush if they didn't have Daniel Hunter. Yeah. Like, think about if he, yeah. you know, at this point he needs to miss a game or two because of injury or something. Like if it's bad now, imagine life without Daniel Hunter. That's true. It would look a lot like I think to like 2020 when it was a Fadi Odenabo and and I think DJ Wanham was a rookie leading their pass rush then. And now you look at the rotation without Davenport. Hunter's playing almost every snap. Yes. Um, Patrick Jones and some of these guys off the bench are not playing sizable roles. It's really limited to like 50% or lower um, to the point where DJ Wanham, I believe, played 79, 80% of the snaps last week, uh, if not more. So the, those guys, a lot is being put on them um, without having Davenport in there. And then they just don't have the talent right now to, to change these games. And that's what happens when you neglect this in the draft. Like they have not spent high draft picks on the defensive line for a very long time. I, I'm, I think Sharif Floyd was probably still their first, their, their last first round pick uh, on the defensive line. And he's a defensive tackle. I can't remember the last time they picked an edge rusher in the first round or even the second round of a draft. It's probably been quite some time. It's probably some research for us to do on the fly at some point, but it has been a very long time since they've invested. They spent a lot on the offensive line to varying degrees of success. They've definitely drafted corners, safeties, and wide receivers, but it has been a long, long time since I can remember them picking somebody in the first or even the second round that was an edge rusher. Like, and I, like I'm, I'm Pretty sure Sheree Floyd 10 years ago was the last time they even spent a first-round pick on the defensive line. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Yeah, they tried to turn Anthony Barr, ninth overall pick, into some kind of edge rusher, but it never worked out. He was always a stack linebacker. Sharif Floyd, defensive tackle, 23rd overall, was the last true defensive lineman um, taken that high, and that was in 2013. Uh, his career cut short because of an operation. And I'm scrolling all the way back through their draft history to try to find anybody. Um, Erasmus James. Erasmus James in 2005. 2005. That was the last true edge yeah. rusher defensive end. Then, you know, Kenenshi Udezi uh, the year before him. Yeah. Um, Kevin Williams the year before that. It worked out pretty well for him. So they did invest for a stretch there in the early to mid-2000s, but it's 15-plus, almost 20 years where, yeah, to your point, they have not. Um, and you're seeing that kind of come back to, to roost a little bit when you've got these mid-round picks who I think the old regime got stuck on the fact that, hey, we found Brian Robison, Everson Griffin. Daniel Hunter is a third-round pick. Hunter as well. Yeah, late-round, mid, mid to late-round guys. Um, and it's just as, more often than not, it does not work well, out. Like, look at the Eagles. They like had a great line already, and then they didn't they draft – they've drafted like two really good guys in the last two, three years to bolster that. Like they're just getting better. They are. Uh, Tony wants to know, take a gamble on trading for Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. <laughs> wow. Um, Cardinals don't need him. Josh Dobbs is a real winner. Mm, <laughs> boy, that's a, 
what's his his contract is pretty hefty, isn't it? <laughs> you would be yeah, you would be taking a gamble on a guy who's making that forty to fifty. I can't remember I what mean, it is. I think it's in the forties per year. I don't think so. Yeah. I that's not your guy, is it? I think he's he uh, he does some of the things you want a quarterback to do, but he's I don't think he's that guy. I would be very shocked just because what we know about Kyler and which you know out in the public's not a ton, but. Um, I don't know if on schedule accuracy and in rhythm, I don't know if that's his game. His game seems to be more of what Russell Wilson's used to be, which was, you know, run around and make things happen. And what you see from an Aaron Rodgers or a Mahomes at their peak guys who can, can create, um, Kevin O'Connell seems to want somebody and they, they were interested as, as our colleague Ben reported, they were interested in Anthony Richardson. Yes. So clearly they're open to building around certain skill sets, but yeah, you're jumping into a big commitment there if that were the thing. You've got to be able to do both in an O'Connell system. You've got to be able to do the the you know the, the quick reads and have some of that kind of off-schedule escapability. I mean, that's the ultimate. That's, that's what you were talking about with Mahomes and, and Rodgers, like guys yeah. who can do both. Like get yourself a quarterback who can do both. <laughs> um, Gordon wants to know, the secondary had a really rough game last Sunday against the Chargers. Yeah, Keenan Allen did pretty well. But it didn't stop Byron Murphy from talking. <laughs> that's true. That's true. He wanted a lot of push-offs and eventually got one. Got one. From got Keenan one. Allen. Um, and Gordon says, uh, who do you guys see as the players who are struggling the most against the Chargers, what can be what be done to fix that? Well, we knew they had a young secondary going into the season. Yeah. We knew this was going to be a big issue for them, and we talked about leading up into that game against the Chargers about how when finally you faced quarterbacks who were testing them, you were going to see that. And I think the disappointing part for the Vikings is they didn't even really need to test them. There was one contested grab by Mike Williams down the sideline against Byron Murphy, yeah. but most of Keenan Allen's stuff was wide open. Yes, it was. And, you know, some of that is that they're blitzing 80, 85% yeah. of the time. These guys are being left out, not to dry, but left out a lot of times one-on-one -on -one if they're sending five or six guys. Like, there's going to be players open. You can't cover everybody if you're sending five or six, especially if that five or six is not getting home. So yeah. I think the pass rush is the bigger issue. I think the corners have actually been okay. I just don't think they're getting any help. I think Murphy and Evans are okay. Um, I think uh, Metellus has been pretty good this year. Bynum's having a nice season. Blackman's been okay. Like I, I think there's some pieces there. I just don't think they're getting any help because they're often left alone by you know by this pressure that's not coming. Yeah, we've we've seen um, we've seen Bynum and a bunch of guys uh, in that secondary tackle well, uh, which has been a nice you know yeah. revelation for them in an off season where that was a question because of how young they are and. Metellus really playing the biggest role of his career at this point, not getting talked about a whole lot. Um, but Bynum, I thought, has played really well. We haven't seen a lot from Harrison Smith, which no. has been inter interesting because they've sent him on plenty of blitzes, but you bring up the pressure. Teams, whether it's the – I think of the Buccaneers and, and the Chargers who had to throw it, really negated that with those quick throws in, in ways that – when Brian Flores plays the defense that he plays, which you put these guys in almost like an eight to 10 yard shell over the top of the, of the, of the opposing offense, knowing that these passes are going to come quick. You want them in front of you. It's giving up yardage in, in ways that they're just challenging defenses to kind of nickel and dime you the whole way. And then hoping that they make a mistake. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting way to do it. And, and it almost, lends me to believe that they don't have the faith in their guys to press, play strong man-to-man, -man, run with receivers, and not get beat deep. And they still gave up some big plays against the Chargers, so maybe they're right. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think so. And it's probably also understanding that even if they're blitzing, their guys aren't always getting home. So you could try to press to take advantage of blitzing, but if the blitzing isn't getting home, that is a problem. Um, oh, what else was I going to say about that? It feels like, yeah, just uh, I can't remember, but go on. Um, Jordan wants to know how they can improve scoring touchdowns. Score so more touchdowns. Yeah, they're not very good in the red zone. I would, I would score. I would definitely score more touchdowns to improve on scoring more touchdowns. But you can't. You couldn't have been shocked because I wasn't, Mike. When we watched that Chargers game and Madison's running into a wall on first and whatever from the one, first yeah. and goal from the one, like they, second they, goal from the one. This is a team that couldn't really power yeah. run it no. much last year. They did find a way to score touchdowns in the red zone, but it was really stuff more to the edge and Dalvin Cook just kind of racing people to the pylon. Um, but this year they don't have an answer. It seems they're to, almost better off from the five than they are from the one yeah, because throwing, then they yeah. got a little bit more space and they're not tempted to try to run. Yep. Um, although cousins has thrown two interceptions, you know, in the, in the red zone as well. And both of those were off the hands of his guys. I don't think either one of them were like perfect catchable balls. The one behind Osborne in the, in the Tampa Bay game and the one to Hawkinson that ended things the other day where Hawkinson's got his hands on and he's throwing it kind of hot, high and outside, and he's depending on Hawkinson to bring it in and it gets deflected, balls up in the air, game over. But yeah. they're, it's it's confusing um, why they can't be better in the red zone because of their weapons on offense until, to your point, you realize that they the offensive line again is the catalyst for all this. Yeah, I mean, it was Austin Schlobman getting pushed back. It was Madison, I thought, taking a questionable track on on one of those runs where he just cuts it inside too early. And I think if he had gone outside where the Vikings' better blockers are, he might have found some more room. Um, we talked about it too on the Daily Delivery show after the game about how a couple of those sequences were so close where K.J. Osborne has a pass right off his fingertips. Uh, Jordan Addison nearly catches a ball in the back of the end zone on a play the Chargers were flagged, so it ends up giving you a first down anyway. Um, but if you would have caught that, they would have declined it and it would have been a score on a, on a series they didn't score it. So in general, it's been one of the spots that they've taken a step back yeah. this year under Kevin O'Connell in, in ways that they didn't last year. Um, with their red zone offense. So um, we should uh, get – I want it now that Ben's here, I do want to get his thoughts on um, his favorite topic, which is outlandish trades. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Brett Favre. Oh, man. I should – well, hey, we could – well, you don't have to trade anybody. Maybe, maybe the state of Mississippi. Uh, maybe. Got to be traded. Incarcerated. Um, somebody asked about Talk trading for about that. for Kyler Murray, and we were talking about how this <laughs> <laughs> is like you're like this is how you this is you, this how is, you bring this me is in. how you greet yep. me is with yep. a Kyler Murray trade. This oh was a, this is a gosh. question from a listener, yeah. question from a listener, a real question from real listeners. And we were talking about we whether said, or not no. even did they, I did even they check I the real dollars even <laughs> I could not fathom real no that. trade clause. Let's say if if wizard. Rob Brzezinski were able to wave his magic wand. Is he even a fit, you would think, for what Kevin O'Connell does or wants to do? No. Okay, no. <laughs> Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Was this trading for Kirk? Trading Kirk for uh, Kyler No, Murray? this would just be in a world where they needed a quarterback. Let's no. say next offseason, right. Kirk leaves, whatever. Yeah, I don't see it. That's not the fit because then no. you don't you get all of the – you get all of the money, but you don't get the proven. You don't get, you don't get the four or five years of cheap quarterback play. I think that'd yeah. be like the worst of all worlds. Like here's, that seems like the least likely. Here's trade. the other issue with that. Yeah, Kevin O'Connell's offense, as we've seen, yeah. puts a lot on the quarterback. Yes, at the line of scrimmage. Yes, the quarterback 
has to then be well prepared, ah, yes. well versed in the offense, well studied <laughs> for that week's game plan of how to go about it. Yes. You don't think he would answer that call of duty? <laughs> well done. <laughs>